Welcome to another episode of This Engineering Life, the undergraduate series. I'm Becky Simmons, an associate professor of the practice in mechanical engineering and material science at Duke University. I'm joined with Raina, Sydney, Priya, and Richard, all undergraduate engineering students also at Duke University. This episode is called The Rise of Robots. We're looking at robotics at Duke, talking to students and also an alum and finding out their perspectives about robotics and classes and what to do um, in the future with the skills that we learn at Duke. Thank you for joining us. Hello everyone, my name is Richard Kim. I am the co-host of This Engineering Life. And today with me is Dr. Oka, who is a robotics professor at Duke University. Hi, yeah, I'm Dr. Oka. Um, I've been here since this July as a professor. Um, before then I was here as a PhD student under uh, Professor Buckland, who's also an emergency medicine doctor here at Duke. Um, yeah, I've, I've loved being here and I'm excited to be here for the podcast. Yes, and if you guys didn't know, um, Dr. Oka knows everything and anything about robotics. So this is what the interview will be on. Um, and so how did you specifically get into robotics and what kind of projects are you working on? So I kind of got into robotics when I came here at Duke, um, but I kind of came at it from like a medical device design perspective. Um, So I did my undergrad in mechanical engineering, did a master's in translational medicine, worked in a few medical device startups. And then when I was coming here, my advisor was uh, looking to start a lab in robotics. Um, And so uh, he basically on a napkin had three projects to choose from. Um, I was his first student. And one of them was a autonomous IV insertion robot. And so that's where I started, um, and now I'm here. Um, for the IV insertion, could you go a little bit more into detail about how that works? Yeah. So basically, the idea was, you know, there were some systems that I thought about. You know, how do you like autonomously place um, a needle? Um, and you know, so we thought about, okay, well, let's actually do the IV. So an IV is like both the needle and then a little catheter up around it that goes into the body. And then when we started to look at these systems, you know, the needle placement was pretty accurate, but they were using really big robots, and we were particularly interested in helping NASA do these procedures autonomously. Um, because to be perfectly honest, a well-trained nurse, and there aren't a ton of them, it's actually a pretty complicated procedure for some patients to place IVs. Um, but you know, they do it quite well. So we thought, okay, where do you actually need this autonomy? You need it in space. And so we wanted something that was actually much more compact than what was done before. Um, we also wanted to be able to search for veins that were hard to find. So most, you know, first placement of IVs. I mean, I'm sure, you know, some of y'all have had them. Um, They just look on your arm and um, they can see what they need to see. But we saw that ultrasound was being used to find deeper veins. And so we wanted to incorporate our ultrasound in the search mechanism. And so that actually kind of developed my project from an IV placement device to more, how do we do safe ultrasound scanning on uh, 
patients that are awake. And, um, I, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have had, you know, robotic surgery or, you know, heard about the Da Vinci systems. They exist. They're alive. They're there. Um, they never have to deal with the patient being awake um, and, and what goes with that. So, like, I was really interested in, like, the safety and the trust and being able to, you know, perform these procedures autonomously because ultrasound is not only used for placing IVs, it's used for everything around the body. Um, yeah. And um, just to clarify, the IV and the, um, the ultrasound, it's all being controlled by a robotic arm, right? Yeah. yeah. So the idea is that it would be completely autonomous. And so that oh, IV and defector, that original idea, is still alive and well. <laughs> and in fact, you're working on it I'm here in Tune. Um, and we have a few others who have along the way. It's a very hard problem to solve. Um, but but yeah, the ultrasound scanning is something that we were able to get done and um, and really answer some questions that we didn't have at the beginning. Um, so that's kind of one of the really fun things about research is you kind of get led in a lot of different directions as you start doing it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a super interesting project. Um, it's one I'm working on and looking forward to hopefully having something by the end of the semester. But um, more in terms of robotics at Duke, uh, I know that there is a new robotics certificate. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we're really excited about the robotics certificate. Um, I think what it really gives students is a way to plan their schedules so that they can take you know, all the awesome courses um, here at Duke that we have for undergraduates in robotics. Um, it also, you know, guarantees that they're going to be offered in a, you know, regular manner, um, which I think is really important when you're thinking about scheduling your, you know, whether you're a freshman or a junior or senior. Um, and the courses that we have are um, many times by some of our newer faculty, like myself and Professor Chen. Um, the required courses would be Intro to Robotics, which makes a lot of sense, um, and Robot Studio, which is a new course that basically you build a robot that walks and um, the end of the class is which robot goes the fastest. But when I say you build it, I mean you build it from scratch. It's an incredibly cool class. Um, first time it's being taught here at Duke this semester. You're in that class as well. I am, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then there's a class that you have to take in Controls and Dynamics dynamics, which is honestly kind of part of intro to robotics. Um, controls is currently a co-requisite. Um, and then you need to take a machine learning course, which is, you know, kind of just what you need to do to be in the industry of robotics today. Um, and then you need to take ethics um, and autonomy, which is a new course that I'm teaching for the first time this spring as well. Um, and then, you know, but we also list all these different courses that we're teaching here at Duke in robotics um, and the breath track. And so I think that it's really just a, you know, just to look through the document is a great way to understand what the opportunities are here. Yeah, definitely. And as someone who has uh, been interested in robotics going into Duke, it's really uh, refreshing to see that there's a specific certificate for robotics because what most um, people interested in robotics did beforehand was either they would take these breath classes as a mechanical engineer or they would minor in ECE and have classes that aren't specifically related to robotics, which is kind of a hassle to go through, you know? And so having that robotics certificate has been amazing. And you guys should definitely check it out if you're interested in anything robotics related in general. Um, beyond classes, though, I know that there's a lot of clubs that have um, robotics or automation specific activities. Do you know any clubs that you would recommend? Yeah, so these are clubs that, you know, I'm not the advisor for, so I can just say that I've heard great things um, from students um, that have been in them. Uh, but I know that Underwater Robotics is a popular club, um, you know, and they 
basically do a sub. Um, BattleBots is a new club um, that I know you're also part of. Um, I know students who've been in Enable and, you know, develop those prosthetics. That's forward kinematics in robotics. Um, so, you know, you don't need to know robotics to do it, but I think it helps and it's an interesting application. Um, I've heard the electric vehicle team is looking into more autonomy um, with the F-110 competition. Um, so I think yeah, autonomous systems and robotics is obviously they're paired and important. Um, Hyperloop has some amount of autonomy. Um, I know that uh, Professor Brooks and ECE teaches some interesting courses, which are called, I think, um, underwater robotics and or underwater engineering and, and rainforest engineering. But um, from my understanding, like, you know, it's basically you know, this custom drone system that's used in these different applications. And um, I've mentored, you know, many master's students um, who've done projects that have come out of that class. And I can definitely tell that there's a lot of, you know, uh, I guess autonomy isn't the right word, but autonomy to kind of, you know, uh, develop the project further for the greater group. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that you mentioned all these clubs because, um, as someone learning more about robotics, you realize that it's such a wide and it has so much various uh, fields in it. And so I think that's something that everyone can be interested in. It's like, it's not like robotics is pertaining to one specific area, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I would just love to add to that. Like, I think that, um, you know, my intro to robotics course in particular and in Robot Studio, like it really does delve deep into the applied side. And I know that, you know, when I was an undergraduate, that was like, to me, the most important thing. And, you know, something that I felt was like, can I actually do something with my knowledge today that's going to help me, you know, build something that's important for the future or, you know, build this knowledge base that I could use when I go on to the next job or, you know, graduate school or whatever. And so I think that we're really trying to build those, you know, concrete skills for students in these electives. Um, and it's also super fun, but I mean, I'm, I'm biased. Yeah. I think I am is fun. definitely biased too, but um, I think one thing that I would like to ask for the uh, audience is like, what specifically is robotics because it's such a big and um, wide field? Like, what would you define robotics as? Yeah. So I've heard it defined as, um, basically a mechanism that performs an action essentially um which you know then you could say you're like washer machines robotics but i don't think it's like that far off um and then i think a lot of people also add autonomy um so some form of like you could argue it's decision making but act you know reaction to sensing you know is involved um so they would say that is a form of that is essential to robotics as well so maybe a mechanism that has some form of autonomy um but it's got to right. do something right. if it doesn't do something then it's a computer in my opinion um you know just processing data or something like that which mm -hmm. is also really important but i wouldn't call it robotics in the same way um there is a lot of fusion between like CS, ECE, and MECI, which I think is like peak robotics, you know, like the intersection between all of those things and like the integration of it all. Yeah. And I think that it's like even building into like, I mean, BME, you know, like especially here at Duke, I mean, people deal with a lot of physical systems and um, people could argue CE, a lot of agricultural systems and uh, what else? Uh yeah, th those those would be the main ones. But I mean, I really do think that, you know, any amount of autonomy, you could argue has some robotics, but right. I definitely come at it from the mechanical perspective, because that's my perspective. Right. Same here. Are there any um, specific like categories of robotics that you're interested in? 
Yeah. So, you know, in my research, um, these are the things that I'm most interested in. But um, as a professor of the practice, I support students in many different um, research projects. So for me, like medical robotics is incredibly interesting. It's obviously what I did my PhD on. And um, I think it just has a way to transform how we deliver remote medicine. Um, and then human-robot interaction to me is incredibly important. I mean, obviously the medical robotics has an impact, but my thought is, you know, we're gonna, these robots are gonna exist, period. And unlike in the past, they're not just gonna exist in cages in manufacturing plants. And so, you know, being able to trust these systems is really important, making sure that safety is, you know, happens um, is something that I think is a really interesting research question. And then, you know, my court, my new course is in ethics and robotics and automation. So I think just being able to like have assessment tools for these systems is really interesting. It's something that I'm just learning, um, you know, things about in the past couple of years, but um, I'm really inquisitive and like would love, you know, students who are interested in that to, to search with me. Um, and then I'm also really interested in teaching robotics. So it's something that we're kind of developing. This all is pretty new here at Duke in terms of these courses that we're offering, this development of the certificate and things like that. And I think it's a great opportunity to like also improve what we're doing. Um, and so trying to collect data on um, how students are learning and what things work and don't work, I think um, is also really interesting. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Ogo, for doing this. Before we end this, would you like to say any final words or thoughts to the audience? Yeah, I think like the one thing that I would like to add is, you know, I learned robotics, you know, by by doing, you know, and I think trying to find opportunities where you can do projects, whether it's in classes or out of classes. I know there are collab grants for um, developing your own ideas. And, you know, I've heard of people, you know, making robot arms over the summer um, and implementing those. So I would say, you know, robotics is just about doing inside or outside of courses. And and you could do it coming from any perspective. So like our intro to robotics course, I've heard that it is a tough course, um, but the idea is that you start at zero. And so like, we don't have any expectations on what you know, um, coming into the class than the prerequisite courses. I think that anyone can get there. And I think there are a lot of great opportunities in the field. My name is Adil Malik. I am a senior, technically a super senior in Pratt. I came in as ECE. And honestly, in the beginning, I was really adamant that I was just going to be ECE. And for me, I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to be all like all of these other basic students. I'm going to do ECE and that's it. But then I was like, you know what? Let's just tag CCS along. So I am ECECS and been in the game for five years now, which is a lot of time. I just need to get out of here. But yeah, that's me. So thank you for having me. Yeah, super excited. I'm Sydney here, gonna interview my friend Adol, who was in my robotics class last semester. And we also took our uh, drone engineering class together, rainforest engineering specifically. And we're gonna talk a little bit today about robotics and what that means at Duke, especially from an ECE perspective. I think when people think of robots, they a lot of times think mechanical engineering, but as you and I know, ECE students can definitely do robotics as well. But yeah, we're excited to have you. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much. And honestly, I would, I, I guess I just like interest in talking about robotics. Like the moment someone brings up the topic, I'm like, I jump it. I'm like, yeah, 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 I have a lot to say about this. Yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect. So how did you get interested in robotics? I mean, I feel like I have always been interested in robotics. For me, even getting into 
Duke and again from Pakistan so I originally am from Pakistan and coming from um, Pakistan I felt like even when I was applying to universities their their electrical engineering program was very like separate from their computer science program mm. and for me I wanted to have like I wanted to have CS but I really really wanted to do something electrical engineering ish and um, with that it came with like you know robotics and like my passion for robotics but yeah, honestly, it's just the fact that like, you know, you can, with CS, I feel you see stuff on the screen, but with like robotics and stuff, you see stuff happening in front of you. And that's what interested me. So I came in as ECE, fully just wanting to do robotics. And I say this all the time. I feel like with the ECE CS degree, my ECE is what I enjoy and CS is there for the money. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I did CS because I was like, you know, what? I, 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 that's like a good route into the professional life. Mm-hmm. But ECE is what I do for fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, awesome. I'm really interested in that. And that's what I do. Perfect. When was your first robotics experience? I, for a long time, back back in Pakistan, I was actually, I started and led the robotics team in my high school for a really long time. For two years, there were like these Lego robotics competitions that we participated in like on the daily, not the daily, but like <laughs> whenever they happened. And yeah, so that was like my first experience and just sitting, like working with a team and sitting down and like just working out exactly how those robots, like especially using like Lego and stuff was really fun. I think my first first now that I think about it was I attended a summer school in eighth grade. I came to the US. I, I attended the summer school at Stanford University. And that was robotics and um, AI. And so a lot of stuff that I'm learning like now in classes, like you're you're taking CS330 with yeah. us, like <laughs> dice trial algorithm, like all that. I implemented that like way back in like wow. that summer summer school. So that was my first robotics experience. Then I went back after the summer school, started the robotics club at, at my high school. And then, yeah, I came to Duke as ECE. First class that I took, I think, was ECE 110. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I feel like I tell a lot of engineers that if a lot of ECE engineers, I'm like, if y'all like ECE 110, you know you're in the right field. Yes, because EC 110 for me was like solidification of like, yeah, I actually do enjoy all of this. Like I really want to be in here and I like the results of what I'm learning. So that that was my first experience here. And honestly, just seeing all those robots move and do that <laughs> thing, it was so fun. Yeah. So yeah, that was that's that's how I got in here. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. So you had a lot of experience before Duke. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like it did help having that experience like just kind of helps you for lack of better words believe in yourself more mm-hmm. because you come in and you're like yeah like i came into duke like a little obviously like a little more like you know um scared of other students and being yeah. like oh like who knows what and yeah, there, are too, the, there are these people who are gonna know everything and i don't know what i'm doing but it's still like at least in the beginning parts of it and later on like when you start expressing yourself with those experiences and like putting in your opinions and blah blah blah. you start seeing how like you equally fare against other students and so like i feel like that experience brought me a lot more like you know i didn't feel that stupid when i came (laughs) in here so that was that so yeah yeah that's awesome no for sure imposter syndrome is is super super real and Mm. for me like i felt it 
even more because my first experience was senior fall robotics um, in that class with you. So definitely like a wide, wide range of what you can do at Duke with robotics. And I think it's awesome that like someone like you can enjoy it as, as much as someone like me, even though we, uh, I guess, entered the robotics field like mm. at very different stages in our engineering career. For someone who entered it pretty late, you did a very <laughs> So for everyone who's listening, for reference, I just did everything on the computer. Like we just did all the like simulation stuff. Like yeah. Sydney went ahead and like programmed like the whole arm oh, and stuff. Oh made like a golfing thing and I was pretty impressed. So yeah. for someone who did that in senior year, kudos girl. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that. So let's talk about that robotics class actually. So we took it with Dr. Oka and mm-hmm. Dr. Lip. Let's see. Last fall, so that was fall 2022. And I personally really, really enjoyed that class. It was Introduction to Robotics. I think it also was one of the first robotics classes that was open to ECE students that could mm-hmm. take it. It wasn't just for mechanical students. And um, we kind of had to fight for that. Remember yeah, in the beginning? Yeah, in the beginning, yeah. We yeah. had to say, like, can we please take this class, you know? And I definitely feel, like, so happy that I took it. So mm-hmm. how, would, how would you describe that class to someone who didn't take it yet? I mean, a lot of people come into mechanical and electrical like with a love for robotics mm-hmm. right even if it's not like very much like what drives them like you how can you not like robotics yeah, right that's so cool, that's so, cool. Yeah. so I mean I would recommend that class to anyone mm-hmm. because I feel like it starts off at such a no one knows anything in the class so mm-hmm. we have to take everyone at the same pace Yeah. that was the vibe of the class and honestly I really enjoyed it as well I learned like there were again like I knew a few things that were already there there, but like there was so much to build upon the things that I already knew and again honestly it's like the little things that like you know kind of excite me like we re- learned about rope pitch yeah yes. and then we went into our drone flying class and yes. they were like oh adjust the rope pitch yeah and yeah. I was like oh my god <laughs> like what you're learning is actually like you know I'm looking yeah. at it like working in real life so yeah. I mean honestly it was really exciting and just being able to get that introduction into if in the future like you want to go into robotics like Mm -hmm. you're not starting off from scratch like googling how to like start robotics you know okay this is like what they use for simulations and this is what they use for like xyz and so that push i think is super helpful from that class definitely definitely i think also something that was super helpful was all the things we were learning were like industry standard as well so like we learned how to uh use robots in simulation environments like ross Mm -hmm. um, and then we had that talk of like the person, I think it's from BotBuilt, the company is called. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so this is a company that's a startup in Durham who was like started by a uh, former Duke PhD student. And they build like frames for houses using like robotic arms, which just, you know, it's much safer because, you know, people won't get injured um, nearly as easily and it's significantly faster. And so the idea is to be able to help with the housing crisis with that. And we asked them, we were like, wait, what do you use to like simulate your robots? And they were like, Ross. Mm-hmm. And we were all like, oh, oh my, my God, God. Like, we use Ross yeah. too. So that was really awesome. And I think the final project too, was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I can talk a little bit about mine and then you can share yours after maybe. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so my team basically made a mini golf course and so we 3D printed a course. So it was just like a giant rectangle or puzzle pieces that formed a rectangle and then there was a hole at the end and then we attached the robotic arm using UR5 um, arm with a, uh, we 3D printed a putter attached to it and connected that and then 3D printed a golf ball. Connected, <laughs> a.k.a. duct taped <laughs> <laughs> because our adapter, yes, calling us out, our, our connector broke last minute, so we 
duct taped it to the arm. And then we had the arm move and hit our golf ball and it went into the hole. That was a super fun project and a great way to, like, I don't know, like you said, use the roll pitch yaw, all that stuff to program the robot to make that motion. Yeah, I had a really great time doing that project. It was a great, I think, like culmination of the entire course. But yeah, what about you? What did you do for your final project? Yeah, okay, so mine was, uh, I feel like much less, again, like I said before, it was more so like software-y, yeah. but we used, what was the software for the... Move It? Move It. Yeah. We used Move It and the other one, which our was... Our, our, gazebo, no, no, gazebo. gazebo yeah. yeah. So our project was more so simulating a robot like a custom built robot in gazebo and on the idea of it seems pretty simple we were building a pong robot and by that no not the pong game uh (laughs) the pong that you play at like frat parties (laughs) so get a table get a bunch of cups and then you use the robot to adjust like the velocity and the um, angles of it in order to get the ball into the cups Honestly, we thought it was going to be a simple project, but um, by the end of it, we we really were just like clawing our hair out. We were just like, what do we do? But it was fun because we were like one of the few groups that built the robot. And Mm -hmm. so building that robot, that process was very, it was really hard to understand how everything was coming together. But um, it, you know, strengthened what we learned in our class. And like, we're like, oh, okay. Like, this is why, because they provided us the files for the UR5. Mm When so now you, when you're making those files, you look at it and you go, oh, now I understand why these parameters are set the way that they are. First, our robot literally only moved in a way that, like, it, it was like a propeller. It would just <laughs> rotate. And I'm not even joking. Like, Gazebo was actually really good because there was, like, air resistance and stuff. And it yeah. would actually, like, fly off the table. Oh <laughs> I was like, well, the simulation's <laughs> working. <laughs> the simulation's working. But, uh, yeah, so then we were able to, like, calm it down and, like, adjust the parameters. And, yeah, so our final project, you were able to, like, move the Gazebo robot and, like, shoot the ball into the cup. Which was pretty fun. Yeah, super fair. fun. Yeah, very, 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 yeah, I was about to say very Duke. <laughs> very, like, very much yeah. like Duke parties, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that class was excellent. So definitely take Intro to Robotics. I think it was like ECE 383. Yeah, um, I, I think, think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Oka and Dr. Lit. And I think they did an amazing job at like teaching the course yeah, as well. So I uh, would highly recommend definitely. that. Also too, women professors. No, we do stuff. love that. We do love <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. No, and I feel like they brought in like so much like like straight to the point, like, mm-hmm. you know, and also like they have brought in a lot of insights. So yeah, really, definitely. really love that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, that was super cool. Okay, next class that we had related to robotics, the same semester, which mm-hmm. was really cool, was rainforest and ocean engineering that we took with uh, Martin Brook mm-hmm. and who are also in senior design now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, we go way back. <laughs> we go way back. Yeah, since last year. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but disclaimer, yeah. uh, it was not related to ocean engineering. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that yeah. was called ocean engineering. Yeah. But it wasn't ocean engineering, yeah. but... Yeah, exactly. So there were, like, two... Like, the... I guess the class was very similar to our EGR 101 course here, which you take freshman fall. Like all, all freshman engineers have to take it. And the whole class, maybe, what, 30, 40 mm-hmm. kids, are split up into, like, teams of five to six people. And then you have a project and just work on that the whole semester. Mm-hmm. So some were, like, ocean-related, oh, yeah, yeah, but most were. most were rainforest-related. Ours was rainforest-related. Rainforest yeah. Um, and so how would you describe that class to someone? I mean, again, that was a fun class because 
it was very hands-on and practical. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, me and Sydney were on the same team and we know like we, we used to like go out in the field and like, you know, test. So our we were basically assigned the tasks that we had to use drones in order to collect data. And in that drone collection, like data collection, the drones would interfere with one another when we were running two or three drones together. So our team was tasked with how we could reduce that interference in order to have the maximum number of drones in the field without them interfering with one another, without them reducing the range one could fly. So we were in the field constantly, just like testing everything out, seeing how far it could go, like measuring. We were a team of five, and one of us would be walking with the drone with <laughs> yeah. an Apple Watch, just, yeah. just measuring the distance, distance like yeah. how, how far it went. And again, learned a lot about like drones and the software around them. Built one of our team members yeah. like lit, sat down and like built an app in order to like better display and understand the frequencies that the, the drones were working on. So again, very hands-on, very practical. And you went away with the class of like a feeling every single day, like even if there was like not a lot of written work and not a lot of, you know, academic work, the hands-on practical, like practical work really made you feel like, oh my God, like that was fun. I learned and you look forward to going to that definitely, class. Definitely, definitely. It was definitely one of those classes where you put all your skills to work. So all those, you know, three to four years of, of Duke that we had been studying, you're now able to like go out and actually test it. So uh, we had a lot of fun because like Adlo said, we were out in the field and, but that field like varied, you know, depending on what stage in the process we were. So sometimes we flew the drones at the Duke Pond, sometimes we flew it at like the Duke Forest mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So definitely a lot of different areas that you're able to fly in and noticing like how do trees affect, you know, the Wi-Fi channel interference. How trees affect yeah. the Wi-Fi channel, how we <laughs> yeah. can lose some drones in the tree. <laughs> yes, exactly. So shout out to our teammate, Weishvi. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. She wasn't to blame for this. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was a really fun class. Um, and also learning about like, the battery life, you know, mm-hmm. of the drones and stuff like that. So, and the cool thing too is this project was actually part of like the bigger project with, with Dr. Brooke. Yeah. So, what is what is that project? Yeah. So they're actually working on. They actually go to Costa Rica, Singapore, all these different countries in order to collect data on, of animals in different rainforests. And so the project that they're working on is they have this one big mother drone that carries all of these little drones and they launch this mother drone into the field and those then little drones like scatter about and like collect data within that field. And so just knowing the fact that the project that you're working on is a tiny part of something much bigger mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. seeing that mother drone in action like every yeah. single time we went to the lab and we saw that mother drone like just hanging yeah. and students working on it like it just made me feel so cool yeah. I was like oh my god that's like it was giving like G.I. Joe <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding and I was like oh my god so that that was the project the bigger project and so we were working on the smaller part of how, making sure that like when those drones scatter they don't interfere with one another and yeah again just knowing that it was like part of something bigger it was just such a cool experience so cool yeah and so they're actually going to singapore this summer the team um to compete in the semi-finalist round and i think dr brooks team is one of like five u.s teams or something like really impressive mm-hmm. that they made it this far to be sure to check it out i think it's called the x prize yeah competition so yeah shout out to dr, dr. brooks, brooks and, the team. and the team for all they're doing but yeah i guess that's a pretty good explanation of of two classes at duke that you can have some robotics experience in and again like you 
can have zero robotics experience and still do very well in these mm-hmm, classes, mm-hmm. Um, especially that intro to robotics. So Duke is an awesome place for it. We have a lot of awesome professors, awesome clubs. That I'm sure you'll hear later in this episode as well. The last question for you is, is what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about robotics, whether they're in middle school, high school, college, like post-college? Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to touch back to what you said before. Never think it's too late. A lot of students come in and they're like, oh, XYZ has... Okay, I'm guilty because I'm one of those students (laughs) who are people like, oh, you've been doing it since high school. But I assure you, like Sydney mentioned before, the fact that me and Sydney were in the same class and we were able to do equally as well, even though like I've been doing it for a long time and Sydney got introduced to it in senior year, just don't think it's too late. Don't think that other people have more experience so it's automatically like, I'm not going to fit in. I feel like just if you have an interest in it, coming here and taking a class and exploring that interest is the best way to go about it. At the end of the semester, you'll know if that's for you or not. But if you come out of that class being like, oh, okay, this is something like a new passion or like something that I really want to pursue in the future then I think that's the best case scenario. And don't let anyone else's experience hinder you from that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, such great words of advice. <laughs> no, no, thank you. The thank wise you. senior, the wise senior. The wise old senior, <laughs> the old sage. Yeah, so, good, so good. Yeah. Well, thank you, Otto, so much for uh, uh, Thank you again for having me, yeah, honestly. Awesome. Thanks again. Hello, my name is Vera Juarez. I am currently a senior at Duke. I am a biomedical engineering, electrical engineering double major. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Nicholas Niclerio. I am finishing up my PhD in mechanical engineering at UC Santa Barbara. <laughs> and then I graduated from Duke in 2017 in mechanical engineering. Sure. And how do you know Dr. Simmons? Took some of her classes. I, I worked with Neil Simmons as well. I knew them both through motorsports. I also did some volunteering stuff at the local schools with Becky as well. And I I don't know their family since then. Okay. Did you do any um, robotics geared activities on campus while you were at Duke? No, I never did any robotics before starting grad school. So how did you get into robotics? So what I liked to do was sort of mechanical design and building things. So at Duke, I was very involved with the motorsports team, and I did a lot of design projects. I did some independent research in doing dynamics experiments with Dr. Mann. I also did some other projects with one with Martin Brook. It was like ocean mapping, another Bass Connections project, also with Dr. Mann doing ocean energy harvesting. So I liked sort of experimental projects and building things and dynamics. So for graduate school, I was looking for labs that built things, focusing sort of on prototyping. Then I ended up finding my advisor who does, uh, yeah, sort of robotics. We do soft robotics, um, mostly soft robotics, but focusing on, I'd say, mechanical design of novel robots and mechanisms. Sounds pretty cool. And what kind of work are you doing now with your PhD? So yeah, my work, I think, is sort of at the intersection of experimental physics, mechanical design, and some with material science. So some of my earlier work was with some soft pneumatic actuators. I also did some work using gecko-inspired adhesives. And then now for the last few years, I've been focusing on burrowing and anchoring. So I've been working on a device that burrows like a plant root, where instead of just moving the whole body like a snake, it literally grows like a plant. 
And so that's particularly useful underground, where instead of dragging your whole body along, if you're growing, there's no really, there's no friction. And then now we're sort of looking at anchoring, like a plant. We can start out with a single seed, you grow a big anchoring root structure, yet you don't need any reaction force, meaning like you don't need to push on it or anything, it'll just grow into the ground. And so I've been working on that for a lunar application recently. So for example, let's say you go to the moon and you want to stick a flag in the ground. The deeper you go, the harder and harder you have to push. But on the moon, you only weigh one-sixth as much. So you can only push with one-sixth the first you cut on Earth. But instead, you know, if you could grow like a plant, you just place your device there, then it grows its way down into the ground. You don't have to push on it at all. So I've actually been working on a test where we will be testing my device in lunar gravity over the summer. So this will be on a suborbital space flight. So it'll go on a rocket, the rocket will go up, then it'll start to rotate. So everybody's experiment in it starts to experience one-sixth gravity, like on the moon. So we run our experiment there, you know, then it comes back. So hopefully we'll show that it um, will work in lunar conditions. That's really cool. And uh, what year of your PhD are you in? My sixth. Oh, okay. Do you have an idea of what you're looking to do after you're done with your PhD? Yeah, so I will be graduating this June. Then I will stick around sort of as a postdoc in my own lab here until the rocket flight happens over the summer. We're flying with Blue Origin, so we're just sort of waiting on their schedule. Then the plan after that is to try to do a postdoc, in, ideally in Switzerland, starting in the fall, also in robotics, then eventually become a professor of mechanical engineering. Oh, that's really cool. I think we're mostly looking at how we can take our undergrad engineering experiences and different ways that we can apply it in the field of robotics in specific, especially how it's become a lot more prevalent in more recent years. Okay, yeah. Going off that, I'd say, as I mentioned, I never did anything with robotics at all in undergrad. I didn't know much about it. Then sort of like mechanical engineering, robotics itself is also a fairly broad field. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of focusing on the mechanical design aspect of it. So I literally like, you know, building robots, building different prototypes, different ways of moving through the environment. At the other end of the spectrum, you know, there's like machine learning is a big mm-hmm. part of robotics now, computer vision, SLAM, those are hot topics. Other areas are like classical robot control. So like a robot arm at a factory. I think in right now in robotics, there's a big push to try to get robots that work outside the factory. So at my end, it's designing you know, like mechanisms that don't need, you know, complex control mechanisms there. They can, you know, sort of change their shape and interact with the environment. And so in my case, I'm sort of leveraging what I learned, especially working in the motorsports team. I learned a lot of practical skills there. That was very helpful. Then doing the experiments in the dynamics lab was helpful too, sort of seeing how science works and stuff. So mm-hmm. especially in graduate school, you can work on robotics, but the whole point of it is sort of to discover something new. So in my case, sort of the, some of the new aspects come from some of the interesting, my kids sort of, what do I call it, um, like granular physics, the way things interact with sand and lunar regolith is very interesting. That's sort of an underexplored area because granular meters are sort of like a fluid, sort of like a solid, it just depends mm-hmm. on their state, essentially. So in your think lab, is it yeah. all like mechanical engineers or do you have to work with a wide variety of people like physicists, electrical engineers, computer scientists? Yeah, that's a really good question. So yeah, robotics is pretty interdisciplinary, I'd mm-hmm. say, within engineering. So my focus is definitely mechanical. 
But then for the spacecraft project, for example, I've worked with probably 20 other students, mm. undergrads on it, that have help, been helping me. About half of them were electrical or computer science, the other half were mechanical. So that has been very helpful for my Birmingham research. I work closely with a physics professor in a physics lab at Georgia Tech, so they are very helpful as well. Then in our lab ourselves, we also do a lot of biomedical things. Mm. So one of the other PhD students had done biomedical engineering in undergrad. Then we work a lot with doctors, you know, for working on medical devices. One of my other lab mates is into more um, thermofluids sort of behavior. So he's interested in thermodynamics with like radiation conduction. Um, and he's now is looking sort of at like ion transport and how that relates to thermo. So it's a pretty broad field, I'd say. That makes sense. Did you know early on in grad school that you wanted to go on to do a PhD and um, become a professor? Or was that something you kind of realized as you went through grad? Yeah, that's a good question. I think at Duke early on, I sort of decided I want to do a PhD. Didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily know what it would be in. Now, from my perspective, I think of within engineering, with no college degree, you can be a technician and you can build a lot of really cool stuff. Then once you become an engineer, with your engineering bachelor's or master's, you can now design a lot of really cool stuff. But then I think if you want to invent something new, you kind of need a PhD. Mm-hmm. That's what you focus on there with the PhD. So for any student who's interested in graduate school, I think those are sort of the ways to think about it. Hopefully you can already learn how to build things, whether it's you know a physical thing, a mechanical thing, a electrical thing, or a computer science thing. Engineering, you know, is really problem solving. But I think if you want to do something new or discover new things, that's where you need to focus on research. And that's what a PhD is for. Yeah, Um, it's a really interesting perspective, especially. I think that's really helpful for anyone listening and that's an undergrad and unsure what they want to do post-grad. Yeah, because then I've worked with a lot of people also, you know, didn't necessarily go to college. They worked for a while first. And Mm -hmm. again, you can work as a technician building cool stuff. But, you know, you don't necessarily have the skills, the math, the engineering knowledge yet of how to design it. I think Duke taught me well how to design things. Then your PhD that teaches you how to, you know, how do you come up with the research questions to begin with, mm-hmm. where engineering is problem solving, but how do you even come up with the problem to begin with? Right. Then back to your question of how did I decide to do a PhD? A very specific example, I went to the NC State Career Fair. I remember talking to a guy who made underwater sensors for detecting submarines, which I thought was pretty cool. So I asked him what he did, and he said he made sensor housings. I was like, oh, you know, that sounds pretty boring. I'd rather invent the sensor. So that sort of got me inspired. Then as far as becoming a professor, when I first started, I had no intention at all of becoming a professor. I wanted to, you know, go pretty quick, get out and do, make some cool stuff in industry. But along the way, I kind of liked the idea of being able to do sort of whatever you want, as well as be able to do many different projects at once. That's a big appeal of it for me right now. You know, even for my projects, I'm working on a spacecraft payload, a soft robot, a burrowing robot, um, some medical devices. You know, if I worked at a company, I couldn't be doing all of that at once either. So I think that's one appeal. The downside is that you can't have very big scope of projects. Um, you know, things can be done much more efficiently, bigger scale with a company. That makes sense. Um, thank you for all of your insight and perspective and for taking the time to Uh, talk with me and be part of this podcast. This Engineering Life is brought to you and supported by the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. A special thanks to all of our interviewees for sharing their experiences. Our senior producer is Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our editors are Priya Juarez, Marina Verbensky, and Richard Kim. Our theme music is from Silverman Sound, Audio Audix, and Kevin McLeod. 
Be sure to check back in two weeks for our next episode on Rainforest Engineering and DIC. You can find this episode and more resources online at thisengineeringlife.com. I'm Priya. I'm Raina. I'm Richard. And I'm Sydney. And this has been This Engineering Life. See you again soon.